I want to ask you a question to get started. The question is this. Do you always do your best? Do you always do your best? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about things that don't matter. I'm, I'm talking about things that matter. Not like, are you super competitive at yard games? Which I am. Um, <laughs> or do you always have to win at Candyland? I never lose to my kids. So uh, that, no, that's not the stuff I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are things that really matter. Do you do your best? And while you're thinking about that, I want you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 12. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, then Mark. Your Bible, if you didn't know, is split into two sections. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is basically before Jesus came to this earth. And the New Testament is after his life, um, his teachings, and then the early church and their teachings as well. So second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. Find chapter 12 and... Um, as you're looking for that, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. Also, thank you if you're watching this online or on TV. Glad that you joined us as well. And you, we're finishing off a sermon series here called Serve. This is our last week. It's called Serve. I've gotten a lot of my inspiration for the messages that I've spoke from this book that I read called The Five Star Church by Stan Toller. It's a it's mainly a narrative of these two pastors who, um, they're leading this church and a guy who is the manager of a five-star hotel starts coming to their church and they say, hey, can we sit down and talk to you about the principles that make you a five-star hotel and see if we can um, use those to make ourselves a five-star church. It's a great book um, and the last few weeks in this serve series, We've been talking about why it's important to serve and how serving, it's not just something that you do, it's a lifestyle of being selfless, emptying yourself and putting others first, just like Jesus modeled for us. So if you missed either of those first two messages, I want to challenge you, go on our website, check those out. Those are great uh, resources for you. But now, really quickly, I'd like you to stand with me as we read God's word, as we read Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And you can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Here's what verse 30 says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Let's pray quick. Father, help us to hear what you have to say to us today. We want to know what it looks like to serve you and to serve others. Prepare us right now. I know you have something to say to each of us, and, and we don't want to miss it, God. That's why we're here. So open our ears and open our hearts this morning, I pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, in my prayer there, I, I prayed that we'd be ready and we'd be open. I just want to share something with you really quick. This last week, uh, my son, who is six, I took him to uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat that they put on over in Melrose. It was so good. Um, and I was like, but he's six. I don't know if he's going to actually, and he's got a lot of energy. He's more energetic than most six-year-olds even. And so I was like, I don't know if he's going to be able to handle this. But the whole time, literally, literally on the edge of his seat, just like, 
what's going on? And he's like, daddy, daddy, what's going on over here? I'm like, shh, 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 but what's happening? Who's that? And he just was asking questions. He was so into it. And this morning, I want to challenge you to be ready. I'm not saying that I'm a better performer than any of those people on stage, but I believe that God has something for you this morning. So be ready, okay? You don't have to literally sit on the edge of this, your seat if you don't want to, but let's just be paying attention and, and listening for God's voice and asking him questions. Okay, God, what does this mean for me? Um, just wanted to challenge you with that this morning. Okay, I got a story for you. President Jimmy Carter, he recalled a story of an interview that he had with this uh, well-known admiral in the Navy. His name was Admiral Hyman G. Rickover. And he was known for his tough interviews and his unanswerable questions. So Carter recalls Admiral Rickover asking him uh, where he had ended in his class standings at the Naval Academy. And Carter answered with pride flowing out and his chest puffed out, 59th out of 820, sir. And he was waiting for his, wow, well done. But instead he got a follow-up question. And that question was, Carter, did you always do your best? <laughs> And Carter was about to answer, you know, with the affirmative, sir, but then he remembered uh, he was talking to an officer, and he didn't want to lie to an officer, so he said, no, uh, sir, uh, I didn't always do my best. And that was a tough question for him to answer, but the final question that, that he was asked was the one that he could not answer. The admiral simply asked him, well, why not? Why not? And that's a great question because it implies so much more. Why didn't you do your best? Wasn't, wasn't this important to you? If this was a big deal, don't you think it deserved your absolute best? Now, what if God asked you that question this morning? Why not? Why didn't you do your best? Am I not worth it? Are my people not worth it? I mean, I thought they were. I thought they were worth it. That's why I sent my best. I sent my son Jesus to die for them. I sent my best. I gave my best. Are you giving your best for my people? Whew. That's a little heavy, right? Look at our verse again. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Do we do that? Do we love God with all that he, we have in us? And then look at the second part of that verse, or the, the next verse. Do the same for your neighbor, he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we do that? Do we love the people around us? Do we serve them to the best of our ability? And do you know what it's called when we do our best? Amongst other words, it's the word excellence. When we do our best, it's excellence. Excellence is this, simple definition. Excellence is doing the best you are capable of. Okay? It's not being number one, it's doing your best. It's not being the best, it's being the best you can be. Because see, President Carter, he was probably able, to, he was probably capable of being better than 59th, right? Maybe 32nd or 25th or, or 19th. But instead, he settled for 59th. If he would have done his best, he would have been excellent. He didn't have to be number one, just the best that he could be. Are you being excellent? Are you being the best that you can be? And today, I want to talk to you about being the best servant that you can be. I want to talk to you about serving with 
excellence. And I want to start out by reading a quote from this book that I mentioned earlier from the Five Star Church. Toller writes this. Um, this is probably a little different on my notes. Can you jump ahead and find that for me, Gene? It says, it kills me to see how hard we work to serve people in order to turn a profit and how mediocre most churches are when their stakes are so much higher in the eternal scheme of things. Think about that for a second. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Businesses know that serving with excellence is important to sell their profit, right? To serve their product. And, and so how, how can we, who have the most important product ever, think that that think any differently. And I know it's kind of sacrilegious here to make God sound like he's something that we are selling, but think about it this way for a second. People go to Coburn's for groceries, right? Dairy Queen for ice cream. They go to O'Reilly's for auto parts. Why do they come here? For God. They come here for God. If you go to Coburn's and you ask for help, they're going to show you which aisle to go down to find your product. If you go to Dairy Queen and ask for help, they're going to show you the menu of your ice cream flavors that you have to choose from. If you go to O'Reilly's, they're going to talk to you about the different grades of oil filter that you can get. And if you come here and you ask for help, someone's going to tell you about Jesus. So in a way, we are trying to give people Give God to people. See, if you have bad service at those other places, you don't get the meal that you want for that night or you don't, you don't get your sweet tooth taken care of or you have dirty oil. But if you come here and you don't get what you're looking for, if you have bad service, the stakes are just a little bit higher, aren't they? I want to read that quote to you one more time from Toller. It kills me to see how hard we work to serve people in order to turn a profit and how mediocre most churches are when their stakes are so much higher in the eternal scheme of things. So does excellence matter to God? Does he care about how we serve? Does, does God care about quality? Uh, is he concerned how well things are done? Does it make a difference to God whether the the instruments are in tune or the nursery is clean or that we are, uh, people are treated nice and welcome. Does it matter if the message is just thrown together? Does he care? And some would say, no, God doesn't care about all that stuff. He cares about your heart. He cares about what is on the inside. And if people come to church looking for excellent customer service, then they're coming for the wrong reasons. Okay. Maybe that's true. Maybe we shouldn't have to worry about being excellent and excellent in the way we serve people. Maybe it's not right, but here's the deal. It's the reality. Okay? There's a difference between what's right and what is reality. We can either complain and whine about why are people coming to our church because excellent customers, so that shouldn't be, or we can get on board and be excellent and get people here. This is how I like to say it. Um, if excellence is what people need to find God, then God cares about excellence and we better be excellent. Let me say it again. This could be on the screen as well. If excellence is what people need to find God, then God cares about excellence and we better be excellent. Listen, understand this. Church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about people walking through our doors and finding Jesus Christ. And if it takes us being excellent, then we better get moving. 
That's what I want you to understand. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, first of all, I want, I want to tell you uh, a little story. Paul Harvey, some of you know Paul Harvey, a great radio storyteller. I'm pretty sure his line is, and that's the rest of the story. Isn't that how he says it, right? Um, one time he told the story of a woman who called up the Butterball Turkey Company's consumer hotline and she asked about the advisability of cooking a turkey that had been in her freezer for 23 years. <laughs> Should I cook this? 23 years? Is it still good? And the customer service rep said, well, you know, if, if your freezer has been below freezing this whole time, it, it should be safe to eat, but even so, over 23 years, the flavor has probably deteriorated so much it wouldn't taste very good and the lady said oh well that's that's what we thought so we decided we're going to give it to the church <laughs> now you laugh but seriously this is the mentality that plagues so many ministries across our country and across the world so many people have this idea like I'm going to do this for me if it's good I'm going to hang on to it but if I have any leftovers if I have extra time if I have extra money if I have extra gifts to give then I'll serve the church but is that what God asks for? Does God ask for our leftovers or does God ask for our first fruits? Does God ask for the best? That's what he wants. He wants the best. He wants the first. Giving him leftovers? That's just not right. Serving with excellence is so important. And it's important in all areas of our life. Not just in church, but outside of church, in our families, in our workplace. Listen to Colossians 3.23. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Whatever you do, no matter where you're at, Work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. So, why should we serve with excellence? Is it really important? Does God care? Listen, God was the one who told us to love others and to serve others, to meet their needs to the best of our abilities, right? He talks about that all over the place. Meet other people's needs. Serve them. Put them first. He put our needs before his. And listen, it's about the way we see others. The people who come through our doors, they're searching for God. They need God. And if that isn't worth excellence, then I don't know what is. See, we should strive for excellence. Get this. Because God and his people are worth it. Right? God and his people are worth excellence. People are searching for God and we, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are God's representatives to the people that walk through our doors and we represent him. The Bible says that all Christians are to act as ambassadors or liaisons between God and others and we are showing others who God is and what God is like. So if we are unfriendly and we're sloppy and we're unhelpful, that's how they perceive God. And that's not being a very good representative of God because our God is, he's not just excellent. Listen, our God is perfect. We're, ne we're never going to be perfect, but we can work towards excellence, right? We can be the best that we can be. And when people encounter our God, when we are excellent, do our job, and people encounter God, I, I, I think they say one word. One word comes out of their mouth. And it's a super profound word, right? Wow. They say, wow. Wow. Imagine if people left River of Life Church saying, wow. So how do, we, how do we help people have a wow experience? I'm sure you've heard of going the second mile, right? 
You've heard of that, going the second mile. Did you know that's a biblical principle that actually came from the Bible? Let me show you. Matthew 5, 41, Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Go the second mile, Jesus says. And, and why does Jesus say this? Why, how does this even make sense? Let me give you a little bit of background or a little history here. See, back in Jesus' time, when the Roman government was in charge, when they were running things, the Roman soldiers actually could lawfully ask a Jewish man to carry their gear, to carry their burden for a mile. And if the Jewish guy wouldn't do it, they could throw him in prison. So someone comes over here and says, here, carry this. And most of the time, the Jewish people would be like, Ugh, and they do it, and they'd go exactly a mile not an inch more and they drop that stuff and be like carry your own junk because they had so much animosity towards this Roman government so can you imagine when Jesus comes up and says if one of these guys asks you to carry their stuff one mile do it two miles the Jewish people are like say what you want me to do what for those dirt bags no way but imagine the effect that this would have on a Roman soldier. All of a sudden, you're carrying, a Jewish man is carrying it, and you get to mile one, and the Roman soldier just kind of stops, expecting you to throw it on your ground. And the dude's like, what are you doing? Come on, let's go. We're going another mile. The Roman soldier's going to say one word. Wow. Wow. Go the second mile. Go the second mile. That's what I'm asking you to do when you are serving people. Go the second mile. See, there's this, there's this gap between expectation and reality. When people come to go someplace, when they see you, they have an expectation of how you're going to act, right? What you're going to do. And if you meet expectations, you're good and they're okay with you. If you come in lower than their expectations, they're going to be accept, um, upset. But if you go above their expectations, they say, wow. That's what I want to create here at this place, to create wow experiences. They're going to say, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect that when I walked into this church. Wow, that was amazing. So how can, how can we do that? How can we create wow experiences for people in our, in our ministries? And I want you to think about your ministry where you serve. How can you create a wow? I'm going to give you a couple examples. I have kids, three of them. I got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. How can you create a wow experience for me as a parent in the kids area? If I were to walk and go pick up my kids on a Sunday morning and the nursery worker or the toddler worker or the kids' church worker said to me, you know what, you know what, you know what Kira did today? She was so cute. She was over there playing with all the other girls. She was sharing. She was showing the love of Jesus to these little girls. We sat down and we read the story, read the story. She knew who the characters were. She was answering the questions. She was so great. Thank you for letting her be in the nursery with me today. I'd be like, wow. Wow. First of all, wow, that was my kid. And then second of all, <laughs> second of all, wow, thank you. That means so much to me to hear that my kids are learning more about Jesus. They're not just being babysat over there, right? Or what if you were an usher? How about you like introduce yourself to someone as they're walking in and then on their way out, this is crazy I know, but you remembered their name. Can I tell you something? You may think that's weird, but you don't know how many wows I get for remembering people's names. It's a big deal to me because I know this about people. The word, their name is the most important word in their vocabulary. If you remember their name, that is so huge. I've had people, I'd say, hey, it's good to see you again. They're like, wow, you remembered my name. Literally, they say, wow, you remembered my name. I've had multiple people cry when I said their name. They're like, what? You remembered my name? I didn't know anybody cared. And they start to cry. 
Listen to me. You can make a wow no matter where you are. Ushers, how about, how about if you're in the, the cafe serving food? Man, how cool would it be if you were to walk around and serve people snacks? I mean, your homemade snacks. Good food, good service, that's a wow right? Whatever it is in your area of ministry, I want you to think about it and make a wow. And I bring up this idea of your ministry because each and every person in the church must understand his or her unique role in making ministry happen. Because if without everybody doing their part, we're going to fall short. Somebody is going to get missed. Someone's not going to get excellence and they're not going to connect with God like they could. And uh, if you're here to serve, listen, serve with excellence. If you are serving, serve with excellence. If you don't serve here, I want to challenge you to find your spot. I want to challenge you to find your spot and serve. And we, we say, we have these find your spot cards that you can fill out. Stop at the Welcome Center on your way out. Grab one of those if you want to start serving. And we always say find your spot, not find a spot. Here's the difference. It's hard to be excellent if you don't enjoy what you do and if you're not good at it, right? Those are two important things. You got to enjoy it and you got to be good at it. And that's why we want you to find your spot. God has created you with a certain set of abilities and a certain personality where you are going to thrive in a ministry. So find your spot, challenge you, grab one of those cards on the way out at the Welcome Center if you aren't serving. Now, here's another part to this serving thing. We here at River of Life Church, we're a family. We're a family. And, you know, the family, we pitch in, we do our part, right? Everybody, it's like, here, even a step further, we are a family who, are, who is expecting guests. We are expecting guests. And what happens when you're at home and you have guests coming to, over to your house? You're like, Jimmy, you clean the bathroom. Billy, you vacuum. Susie, you take out the garbage. You know, we all have a part to play in this. We have people coming and it's not just like a chore, like check off your list and get it done. I'm just going to serve my one service one Sunday a month. Serving others is a privilege. I don't want people to come here and feel like I got to do my job this morning. I just got to get it done. I signed up. I got to do this. That's not what it's about. Man, listen to me. Serving people is a privilege. We get to help people get closer to Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, I just hold babies or I just shake hands. No, no, you don't. Listen, if you're shaking hands in the morning, you don't know what happened out in the parking lot. They could have been, husband and wife could have been arguing. You might have been screaming at the kids. And when you walk in, when they walk in and you shake their hand and smile at them, you are slowly breaking down the barriers between them and the people around them, between them and God. And, and like Pastor Kyle said earlier, he's got kids, we have kids. If I had all my kids in here, there's no way I would hear from God. Those nursery workers, those kids workers are hanging on to my kids right now and I know they're safe and I am in here able to focus on what God is saying to me. Listen, your job is not just a job, it's a ministry and you are the first steps into people coming to know Jesus. Before they get to hear Pastor Micah or Pastor Kyle or me up here speaking or leading worship, before they get to, to hear and, and worship God in this amazing music, they connect with you at all these different places and you set the tone for them coming to know Jesus. It is so important. It's not something we just do one service once a month like our schedule shows either. We should always be serving. 
I, I don't care if you're on the schedule or not. If it's not your service, if it's not your Sunday, you can do this. Listen, you can still make people feel welcome. You can shake hands. You can greet people. You know what else you can do? You could pick up the trash that's on the floor that some little kid dropped and throw it in the garbage. Or you could grab a couple friends and on Tuesday night come and weed the front rocks. That needs to be done. <laughs> Listen, we are a family expecting guests and serving is about so much more than just check, I did my job. It is a privilege. And here I'm going to say something that might take people back a little bit, okay? So don't get up and leave, please. But serving should be high on our priority list. It's the reason that Jesus came to this earth. Listen to this really quick. He says, the son of man came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life for exchange of many. That's why Jesus came to this earth, to serve. And if serving is that important to Jesus, then it should be important to us See, Jesus was the king of kings up in heaven in this perfect place and he left all of that to come down here to serve people and to die. If it's that important to him, it should be that important to us. Now, this is, gonna, this is the part that's going to sound crazy, but I want to challenge you. If you have committed to serving on a certain Sunday and a friend calls you up and says, Hey, you want to go to the cabin this weekend? I just want to give you permission. You can and dare I say should, say, you know what? I have other plans this weekend. Not, oh yeah, I'll just find someone else for me to do the nursery or I'll find someone else to do camera for me because this is more important. No, listen to me. You're serving, you doing what you do, that is more important. That is so important, okay? I, and I know it's harsh and I understand things come up, but listen, if we are committed to serving God and his people, we need to be committed to serving God and to serving his people. I think serving God and serving his people is just as important as sitting on a boat or going to a family reunion. Don't you agree? And I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty here, okay? Please don't hear that. I just want to help us get a healthy view of what it means to serve God, to understand the gravity of this situation, to serve God and his people. Because here's the deal. We all want River of Life Church to be the most welcoming place in town. Or at least we, I hope we do. We want it to be the place of encouragement, a place where people can come and get prayer, a place where we consciously look for new faces and we help them get connected to God and connected to others. We are all called to serve God in one way or another. And I, I believe, listen, get this. I'm not up here saying, we stink at this, you guys. We got to step it up. No, no, no. We do a really good job already. We do a great job. When people walk through our doors, you know the number one thing I hear after they've been coming for a few months? I say, what made you come back? You know what they say? Man, it was so welcoming. People here are so great. So we're doing a pretty good job. But are we doing our best? Are we being excellent? I don't know. But I do know this. We should never become complacent. We should always be striving to serve God better and to serve his people better with excellence to the best of our abilities. I want to share with you a, a very powerful portion of Winston Churchill's first speech to the House of Commons three days after becoming prime minister. Uh, this was at the beginning of World War II. He says this, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. 
We have before us many, many long months of struggle and suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us to wage war against a, monst a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. Let that be realized. No survival for the British Empire. No survival for all that this empire has stood for. And I, that's a powerful speech. I mean, this dude can, can give it to you, right? But I, I want to submit to you today that even more than the British Empire... People's souls are worthy of our blood, toil, tears, and sweat because we have before us many long months and years of struggle and of suffering for we are in a war against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, you ask what our policy here at River of Life Church is? Well, I can say it is to wage war with all of our might and with all the strength that God can give us, to wage war against a monstrous tyranny. That is our policy. You ask, okay, what's our aim? Well, I can answer in one word. Victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of terror. Victory, however long and how hard the road may be, for without victory, there's no survival. Let that be realized. There's no survival for the human soul without victory. No survival for all that the kingdom of God has stood for. And that is why we need to serve with excellence. People's souls are hanging in the balance. And I understand that there are many causes to which you could devote your time and effort. There's some big ones, some small ones. You could rebuild old cars, climb Mount Everest, run for public office, keep your lawn manicured, lower your golf handicap, uh, stay physically fit, finding a cure for cancer, finding new galaxies. And some of these, some of these are, are, are worthier than others, but there's only one cause that is worthy of every ounce of work, devotion, labor, sacrifice, suffering, dedication. Only one cause that is worth giving our lives for every single day. And that cause is serving God and his people with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Because listen, Mount Everest, it's going to crumble. The galaxies will burn out. Empires will rise and fall. Your grass will wither and die. And your body will fall apart. But God and his kingdom are eternal. And those who serve him will see the only thing that truly lasts, and that is you'll see other people with you in heaven. Do you understand that? Whatever else you do on this earth, it doesn't really matter except for who you bring with you to heaven. That's the only thing that lasts from this world to the next is who you bring with you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than this. You hear that? No other commandment is greater than these. Love God and love other people. Now, I'm not going to ask you 
how many of you this morning want to serve with excellence because I feel like that would maybe be pressuring you into do it. You know, I say, how many of you raise your hand? And you're like, oh, I better raise my hand. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a loser. <laughs> See, this should be something that you want to do because of what is at stake. Because you actually love God, you want to serve him and others. So if you are one of the people who want to serve with excellence, here's the deal. I just want you to do it. Just do it. Be committed. Be on time. Serve people. Go the second mile. Welcome others. Get them connected. Love people with everything you do. Be excellent. Be the best servant that you can be. I do want to ask one question this morning, though. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second, just a time of privacy, a time of reflection, I want to ask you this. Is there anybody here this morning who has never committed their life to Jesus? Who came to serve us? This Jesus who came to serve us and die for us? You've never made that decision to truly follow him and to commit your life to him. And this morning, maybe you're saying, you know what? I, I, I want to do that. I want to commit my life to him. I want to follow him. So if that is you this morning, I just want you to please show me your hand so I can pray with you this morning. With every head bowed, eye closed, just put your hand up. If you say, I want to follow Jesus starting today. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hand up for just one minute. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Ushers are going to put something in your hand really quick. And I'll tell you what that is in just a second. You can go ahead and put your hands down. I want to pray with you. And if you made that decision today, I want you to pray this out loud. I want you to mean it in your heart. These words that we're going to pray, they're not magic words. But... I need you to just mean it with your heart. And everybody else in this place, please pray along with me uh, just to help the people out around us. So let's pray this. Jesus, I know that I've messed up, that I've sinned against you. I am truly sorry. I believe that you died to take away my sins. Please forgive me. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you for the rest of my days. I want to know you more. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for the people who made that decision.